Well, today we are starting a new series called Who is the Holy Spirit? There's lots of thoughts on that, a wide variety of thoughts on the Holy Spirit. Some say that you have to express the presence of the Holy Spirit in only one particular way or in one particular gift as though to prove you are a Christian. But Scripture actually says nothing of the sort, and as we will see today and over the next few weeks, uh, Scripture actually says that uh, the Spirit brings many kinds of different gifts and expressions to many different people, and there's not one overarching proof gift. The Spirit himself is the proof. Some people feel like the Holy Spirit comes and goes from our lives. Some people think that a, a, a goose-bumpy feeling is the Spirit's presence or speaking to us. Some people think that the Spirit in us is some kind of like force, like in Star Wars. You know, you can influence things and move things like a Jedi. But that's more wishful thinking than biblical truth. In reality, the power of the Spirit far exceeds any kind of force imagination. Some people, they won't come right out and say this. They won't even think it. They'll act like it. Some people act like the Spirit is somehow less than God or Jesus. Like a consolation prize, if you will. They act as though the Spirit is not as impactful or influential as Jesus himself. And so they won't say it because Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost sounds a little, you know, ooh. Sounds a little weird, and they, you know, they don't want to talk about it, especially in old-timey Baptist circles. You didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. It was kind of, you know, you just didn't go there. But Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit a lot, a lot. And we're going to take a look at Scripture and what the Scripture says exactly about the Holy Spirit over these next few weeks. We're going to see who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit can do, and what being filled with the Holy Spirit means over these next few weeks. You see, the, like I said, Scripture says a lot about the Holy Spirit all the way back in the book of Genesis, all the way through the book of Revelation, even from the very mouth of Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to start looking at the words of Jesus. John chapter 14 is where we're going to start today. It's on page 901, if you're using a Bible on the rack um, there. Uh, John chapter 14 is where we're going to start Jesus in, in, in talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, where we are in John chapter 14, this is the Last Supper where Jesus is in John 14. He, he is about to leave the Last Supper. He's going to go, he's going to be arrested, and then he's going to be crucified and raised from the dead. And so he's in the upper room with his disciples, and he gives this, this huge chunk of teaching in the book of John to his disciples. And right smack dab in the middle of that teaching, he's giving his disciples, like at the Last Supper, Right? This is like he's getting everything out he possibly can before he is taken and arrested and crucified. And in John chapter 14, he gives them this, uh, in the next couple chapters, this, this look at the Holy Spirit. John 14, starting down in verse 15. Jesus said this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, first look back at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That helper is the Holy Spirit. He's going to define that in a little bit, but the helper is the Holy Spirit. That's why in some of your Bibles it's capitalized, that word helper. But this isn't like when he says, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. It's not like Jesus is, Jesus is not saying, you obey God, and only then you get the Holy Spirit. You have to keep every commandment in Scripture, and God will give you the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's talking about. He, he's talking about, you love me, you keep my commandments. If you love me, you will follow with me. And in the following with me, I will send you a Holy Spirit to help you in the following, is the way he's talking here. He will give you another helper besides me, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is a helper to them in pointing them towards the Lord, and, and in dying and raising, he helps them towards salvation. He said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will send you another helper. He says in verse 17, he is the spirit of truth, meaning the spirit of the gospel. The spirit is given to the believers of the gospel. He's the spirit of truth. He goes to those who believe the truth, the gospel. And so you receive, or you believe the gospel, you receive the spirit and uh, he actually says back in John chapter 7, verse 39, that the Spirit is given to everyone who believes. If you believe, you receive the Spirit. Everyone does. So if you believe the gospel, the Spirit is with you forever. Right there, verse 16, right? To be with you forever. So the Spirit doesn't come and go from you. If you believe in Jesus, you have him forever, the Spirit. That's the words of Jesus from the mouth of the Son of God. The Father will give you another helper, the Spirit, to be with you forever. So if you believe the gospel, you receive the Spirit forever. And so if the Spirit is with you forever, and the Spirit is only with those who believe, then you can never lose your salvation. You all following with me? If you believe, you have the Spirit, the Spirit's with you forever, that must mean you are saved forever. You're forever your, your, your connection with the Father can never be cut off completely. He has you in his hand. Jesus said it's like you're in the hand of God and no one can pry his fingers off of you because no one is stronger than the Father. There's nothing, no sin that you can commit after you are a believer that is more powerful than the strength of God. And so he's always got you, always, always got you. Even if other people don't got you, he's got you. And he's never going to let go of you. And so you have this helper with you, with you forever. The Holy Spirit is, is only with the saved, and the Holy Spirit is with you forever. So salvation is a once-for-all-time kind of deal, and, and the Holy Spirit is there to help you in the process. But I want to look at that word helper that he calls him the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a helper, helper. In, in the original language, in the Greek there, that means advocate. He, advocate, he advocates for you. He, he, he speaks on your behalf. Look at, uh, this will be on the screen, Romans chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Holy Spirit speaks on your behalf. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's an advocate for you. He speaks on your behalf. He speaks on your behalf, what Paul says there in Romans chapter 8, to God. Have you ever had a moment 
that in this life that you've been going, you say, I just don't know what to pray right now. I'm just, I just don't know what to pray. Well, the Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. Every single, he speaks to the Father on your behalf. I remember being told this story. One of the most godly men I have ever known said this when uh, he said that, uh, I, just, I just don't know what to pray right now. He went through a devastating bit of news and just said, I just, I, I can't. I don't know what to pray. We were praying for this one thing, and the health news came back, and it was something else. I just don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit interceded in that moment, and in that story brought absolute and complete healing. Complete healing. Now, I tell you, I mean, what it was was that the, the couple had received, they, they just had a baby. The baby got really sick, had been born with some extra parts on, on her inside, a baby girl. And uh, they thought she was going to die. Be told the news. Said, I just, I, I don't know what to pray right now. I, I'm at a loss. Well, through the course of an incredible set of, you might call circumstances, the Holy Spirit had intervened. And this doctor who was the uh, rated, the, I think it was the second foremost expert in the field, was the doctor that they were given for their baby girl. And she was brought through with phenomenal healing. Well, some years later, an issue from that came back. And they were in another town at that point, near another big city. And they went to the hospital, and they were talking with the doctor who was going to be taking care of it, uh, taking care of the baby girl, and, and or the young girl now at this point. And the doctor said, who was your doctor before? And they said, it was so-and-so up at such-and-such such hospital. And he goes, funny thing, I'm the guy who trained that guy. And they brought this girl absolute healing. But she was told, they told her, she will never have a child. It just, it, it just it's impossible now. I mean, in order to save her life, it's impossible for her to be able to have a child. And then again, the words came through of, I just don't know what to pray right now. Years went by, years went by. The girl goes and gets married and uh, begins to, to try to have a child. And now here we are, last year, eight months ago now, she had her second child. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit intervened in a moment when they didn't know what to pray. So the Holy Spirit speaks on your behalf, even when nobody else will, even when people are speaking against you. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are following the Lord. He speaks on your behalf to Almighty God. Even if you're walking down a path that may not be great, and you feel like nobody's, nobody's praying for you, nobody's looking out for you, that's a lie. There is somebody looking out for you. There is somebody praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. He's speaking on your behalf. He is an advocate. That's not just some, like I said a minute ago, some name we pull out of the sky and, 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 and label the Holy Spirit that way. That is from the mouth of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is your advocate before God. Look at verse, uh, let's see, 23. So Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So Jesus is saying, if you love me, you will keep my word. If you keep my word, it proves that you love me. It's what he said before up there in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he says it again here. If you love me, you will keep my word. The Father will love him. But again, that's not saying that the only way God is going to love you is if you keep his word, if you obey him. The love is there irregardless of your obedience or not. That's back in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? And that's not talking the actual planet. He's talking about the people. For God so loved you that he sent his only son. And so here, as a proof of your love, you will obey. You will demonstrate it because love isn't just you know, a, a word that we spit out about random things. It, it's, it is an action word. It's a word that is demonstrated in action. You can't just say you love something. You have to prove it by how you act. Love is demonstrated in action. It says, if you love me, you will keep my word. You will follow along with me. That doesn't mean perfectly. We will fail from time to time. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're a human being, and you're flawed. Do you know you're flawed? You might think they're not flawed. Just ask somebody sitting next to you if you're flawed. I guarantee you, they'll, they'll let you know very, very quick that you are very, very flawed. And the Lord still is with you. And so look at verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, this is important. So remember before, the Holy Spirit speaks on your behalf. And so now here, Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you. And he's going to remind you about everything that I said to you. He's going to bring up to your memory the stuff I said to you. That's why he said just before, if you love me, you will keep my word. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you what my word is. The Holy Spirit reminds you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Holy Spirit shows you what Jesus would have. And this isn't just a new thing that comes along that we need as a, as, as a, you know, the human race. We need remembering. We need help remembering things. Does anybody need help remembering things? Anybody? A few of you? Some of you forgot to raise your hand. We need help remembering. Uh, this goes back in Scripture. I mean, talking about the people of Israel. Uh, let me see here. I believe it is Exodus 15. Yeah, Exodus 15. Uh, the people had just come out of Egypt. I mean, just come out of Egypt. They had seen God split the Red Sea. Uh, they had seen the whole Egyptian army be completely decimated. And they sing a praise song on the other side of the Red Sea. They sing a praise song for how great God is. The ten plagues, letting us out of slavery, getting us across the Red Sea on dry ground, bringing the waters back together. The first chunk of of Exodus 15 is this massive praise song. And then, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days, three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitterness. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? 
And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. He threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. The people were three days, I mean, three days from watching the Red Sea part, and they lost faith. Sometimes we may think, you know, how, you know, I'm never going to forget what the Lord did for me. I'm never going to forget how he provided. I'm never going to forget how this is going to happen. I'm never going to forget. And what do we do? We forget. We forget all the time, all the time, until the Lord brings it up to in, in our memory with the Holy Spirit. Now, back then, you know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit with them constantly. That came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But he came periodically to remind them. And so what they would do, because they did not have the Holy Spirit constantly with them, is they would set up reminders, big memorials to remind them, say, I'm setting this up as a witness. I'm setting this up as a reminder. So when everybody walks past this big memorial I set up, this is a reminder, this is what took place. This is why this happened. So these people complained in Exodus 15, but God still provided. One chapter over, just a couple of verses. Exodus 16, verse 1. They set out from Elim. And all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So 45 days from the parting of the Red Sea. Okay? 45 days later. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to him, Would that we have died at the hand of God in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So they complained after three days. God provided all kinds of water for them. Forty-two more days passed, 45 days since the Red Sea. They complained again. If only God had just killed us, he's not going to take care of us out here. They've already forgotten again. And then God still provides for them. He provides something that I'm sure most of you have heard of, manna. In response to their complaining 45 days out from the phenomenal miracle of the Red Sea. But that's not the end. Next chapter, chapter 17, verses one, verse 1 and 2. All the congregation of, the, of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. But Moses said, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? They had forgot again God's provision. Exodus 14, Red Sea parts, amazing miracle. Exodus 15, amazing song of praise, loss of faith. Exodus 16, loss of faith. Exodus 17, loss of faith. They forgot God's provision over and over and over again. And so what they would do then is they would set up these memorials, these uh, memorial stones or, or these big uh, uh, setups. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is a permanent reminder to us, but these guys would set up these reminders of God's faithfulness. Like in, uh, well, the rainbow was a reminder of God's faithfulness. In Genesis chapter 9, God says, I'm putting my rainbow in the sky so you never forget how I provided a way of safety and salvation. Joshua chapter 4, they're crossing back. I'm going to read this one. Uh, they're crossing back into, or they're crossing into the promised land having been in the wilderness now for 40 years, again, because of their lack of faith. Verse 1, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, and the Lord said, so again, the waters part so they can walk across. 
a reminder of God's already done provision. The waters part, they cross into the, the land of Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord of your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. Now he says, take it upon your shoulder. So this isn't like a little rock, right? I mean, these are like massive stones. That it took. A, I mean, you had to haul it on your shoulder like this across the rest of the Jordan River. So he sends these 12 guys out. They get the stones, and they bring them. And he says, verse 6, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So they would set up these, these memorials, these reminders, uh, like post-it notes all over the nation so they would never forget what had taken place. We're supposed to do that spiritually, and so what God is, what Jesus is saying in John chapter 14 is I'm sending the Holy Spirit as a spiritual reminder to never let you forget all that God, that doesn't mean you have to listen, don't raise your hand, but how many of us hear the word of the Lord and, and ignore him, right? That doesn't mean we have to listen, but he still speaks to us. He's a permanent reminder even if we don't listen sometimes. Have you ever had somebody not listen to you when you told them something? Only to listen to the exact same thing you said from somebody else. I just saw some of you look at the person next to you. Uh, you're going to have a conversation over lunch. <laughs> you ever had that happen, anybody? Yeah? Well, what we're supposed to be doing here is, is hearing from the Spirit and listening to him and responding because Jesus said there in John 14, that's why I'm sending him, to remind you of my words, to remind you of what you need, to convict you in moments you need convicting, to guide you in moments where you need guiding, and to bring his word to our minds when we desperately need it in, in the midst of trouble and trial, if we would only listen. Or as Jesus said, if we would have ears to hear, let us hear. Not have selective hearing. You have anybody in your family who has selective hearing? <laughs> Volunteering yourself, good job. <laughs> if, if the game is on, it's very selective hearing. You don't hear your wife asking to take out the trash or empty the dishwasher. You, you, you pretend to be asleep when the kid wakes up in the middle of the night, <laughs> selective hearing. We don't need to have selective hearing when it comes to the Spirit. We need to have ears to hear and allow him to speak into us because he will remind us. Words of Jesus, he will remind us. So he speaks, to, he speaks on our behalf. He, he reminds us, speaks to us. Look down in John 15, verse 26. Jesus said this, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of now, I want to point out something real quick. Earlier in the passage we read that Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will send the Spirit to you. 
Here, Jesus says, I will send the Spirit to you because the Father and Jesus are one. But not only are they one, look at this. Uh, I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness with me. Now, this phrase is important. The Spirit will bear witness. And he uses the pronoun he there. The Spirit is a person. He doesn't use the pronoun it there. The Spirit is a person, not an it. He will bear witness. So keep that in mind. Bear witness. Look at verse 27. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit bears witness. Jesus' followers bear witness. There's no coincidence in using that phrase together, bear witness, providing information about a person or event, uh, sharing their experience with, about Jesus, with Jesus. Uh, that's parallel phrasing is what you call that in verse 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit will bear witness. You, my followers, will bear witness. It implies that the Holy Spirit will speak through us about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will bear witness through us about Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaks through you if you're willing to follow Jesus. Sometimes he'll speak through you without your knowing that he's the one speaking. Sometimes he will speak through your disobedience to influence somebody else towards Jesus in spite of you sometimes. But the Holy Spirit will speak through you to others. Look at how Paul says it in Romans chapter 8. He said, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So Paul, he's writing to Christians. He says, you are not in the flesh. Now that means uh, influence or, or, or led by the sinful nature of the world. You are not in the flesh. That, that does not define you. You are rather in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit dwells in you. And we, what did we see earlier? Who does the Spirit in? Christians. Every believer has the Spirit. Every single believer has the Spirit. And so if the Spirit is in you, if you're a believer, you uh, are in the Spirit. And so look at what he says next, verse uh, 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin. Now think about that for a second. Let's just speak to that. You say, my body's not dead, I'm alive. Yes, but your body will die. Everybody's human body has an expiration these, these bodies don't last forever. They're temporary. These bodies are not meant to last forever. But we will receive one that will. The book of Revelation speaks about that. We will receive a new body that is eternal, that lasts for all time, that does not expire, that does not know pain, that does not uh, uh, run out of juice that is not influenced by virus or sickness or struggle of that nature. He says, Christ is in you, although the body is dead. This body is dying because of sin. The spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the body is dead because of sin. Sin entered the world, and, and we were then condemned to die, to have the expiration but the spirit within us because of Jesus, we have the spirit because of Jesus, the spirit in us is life because of his righteousness. 
His perfection, his death, his resurrection gives us life eternally. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, Paul, leave that verse up just a second, Tony. Paul is doing something in this verse. He's speaking about one thing, but at the same time speaking about something else. Two different deals. So he's talking about, you know, we, we will have, you know, eternity. He'll give you life uh, through the spirit who is in you. But he also says something very specific there. The spirit of him who raised Jesus. So while we know if we belong to Christ, we have his spirit. But what he's saying is the Holy Spirit is God's spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God, is, is the presence of God. It is, he is his, God's presence within you. So the Holy Spirit, what he's saying there, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God's presence. So what we've seen so far this morning, just as a refresher, Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with you. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 28, I am with you always. See, I don't see Jesus. How is Jesus, how is he with me? Right there, through his Spirit. Because Jesus is God and the Spirit is God's Spirit, is God. Jesus is with us. He is with us always. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's always with us. His Spirit, His presence is always with us. I want to show you something very interesting. God brought this to my mind this week. Genesis chapter 1, very first two verses in Scripture. You know, we know Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So verse 1, God created everything. Verse 2, the Spirit is present. But right there in verse 2, are there any other people there? yet. No. No one is there, but the Spirit is. It's quiet. It may be lonely, but the Spirit is there. The Spirit is there. God is present when no one else is. God is present when no one else is. Always. What have we seen? He's always there. He speaks on your behalf. He speaks through you. He reminds you. And he is present when no one else is. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt abandoned? Have you ever felt rejected, neglected, deserted? God is present when no one else is. And so when those words come in your mind, you're all by yourself. You're all alone. You may be in a room full of people. You may be in a house full of people, and you feel all alone. No one is with you. No one is beside you. No one knows the trouble you've seen. No one knows your sorrow. You're going through it all by yourself. Nobody knows what is within you. 
That's a lie. Because God is present with you when no one else is. Even if, even if no one is with you, and you are, in fact, physically by yourself, you're not alone. Ever. Ever. And so you can speak back to that voice that pops in your head and say, you are alone, you're all by yourself, you're going it alone, you're never going to make it. You can say, no. God is present, even when no one else is. The Spirit hovers over the waters of the deep. He is with me now. He will be with me tomorrow. He never leaves me or forsakes me. He's with me to the very end of the age. I am going to walk where he's going to have me walk because he is with me. You know, you see it even in the Old Testament. When they would walk into a situation and not know what to do, they would say, the Lord is with us. If you, I don't know if any of you watched the old Bible miniseries from 10, 15 years ago, whenever it was. But you can see it in those first, like, four or five episodes when they would go and they would, Abraham would do it and Moses would do it and David would do it. And they would say that God is with us. I love the way David, I think David almost whispered it because he was saying it to himself, not to anybody else. God is with us. The Lord is with you. God is present when no one else is. God is there. When no one else is. Even if you feel like you're in silence, you have to know he's still there. He is still there because of his promise to never leave us or forsake it. Because of his promise to be with us always. And because of the very words that came from the mouth of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you always. Forever. Do you know what forever means in the original language? It's real deep. Forever means always, never ending. That's not just hyperbole. That means for all time, the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is with you. God, that's God's presence. Now, what's difficult for us to understand, we can hear those words, is to try to really wrap our head around the fullness of Almighty God's presence. Because you've got to know something. Part of us getting new bodies in heaven and experiencing eternity is getting bodies that can fully embrace and fully experience God's presence. Because I guarantee you, if God showed up with his full presence right now, we would all just disintegrate, just boom, not even ashes, just gone. I mean, no Thanos snapping here. I mean, just disappear. I mean, every one of us, just no more. Because God's presence is that powerful. In the Old Testament, when God's glory would come down into the temple, it would be so physically intimidating, no one could walk in because his presence was thick. They couldn't even open the door because God's presence was there. And so when God is with us, and he is, he's with us. God is with us wherever we may go. And what Paul said, we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit resides in us. So that makes everywhere we go holy ground. Everywhere you step is holy ground because God is with you. God's present. God's presence is with you. God is present when no one else is. And so we're going to do something right now that if you have ever felt or if you're feeling it right now, if you are feeling right now alone, abandoned, neglected, rejected, deserted by yourself, in any capacity, 
It could be your job. It could be with some friends. It could be in your family. It could be with a decision you've got to make, and you feel all on your own just in that one area. I'm going to ask if, if you feel that in any capacity to stand up, and I'm going to pray for you. Stand up right now if that's you. If you feel that within you, and just in some way, in some, some manner of speaking, we're, I'm going to pray for you, and I guarantee you, people in here, I encourage you, pray for them. Maybe point your, aim your hands, you know, that doesn't like aim your prayers at them. Like, no, just like, but just aim your mindset in that direction with your hands, and we're going to pray over these. And we're going to pray over those of you who are still sitting down and you still feel alone. You feel so alone that you don't want to stand up when there's other people standing up. And I'm going to pray over you as well. So let's pray. God, I want to pray over these who are standing and those who are sitting, but experiencing great anxiety over the thought of standing. Or those who are watching online, sitting at home right now and struggling in their own spirit of feeling alone and abandoned and out on an island all by themselves. God, I pray that the realization and the power of your presence would be overwhelming to them right now. They would be so close to you in the feeling of your presence. They could feel your heartbeat. You would let them know you were walking with them. If the lie that the enemy whispers, sometimes shouts, that they are alone, would never get a hold of their hearts again. And they would walk in full confidence, knowing that you are with them, that you are present in your spirit with them. God, give them strength, your strength, held up by your spirit, guiding them, showing them the way. God, we thank you for your spirit, your investment in us, the power of your presence. Whether we get goosebumps or not, you're there. God, we thank you. In your name I pray, amen.